I am not here to try to undermine your salvation in any way. I don't want to do that, okay? What I want to do is stay true to the scriptures. And James is saying here that there is a possibility that people in the church or people, those that claim to know Christ, actually may be deceiving themselves. And he's going to give us this litmus test. This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Rick presents part two of a 10-part series in the book of James, On the Ground Gospel, and it was shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on Sunday, June 24th, 2018. Hey, I hope you guys have a great morning. Go ahead and turn to James chapter one. Um, I want to celebrate many things this morning. Um, thank you for everybody this morning that uh, is making this morning happen. There's a lot of uh, different things we're doing this morning, and so with video, I know uh, Pete Stover, he, he edited that video, and they recorded it ahead of time. Some of you guys may th- thought it was streaming. It wasn't, and I appreciate his w- uh, help and all those who set up the baptismal this morning and got here a little earlier than normal for the summer months. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm so amazed at and so thrilled at, um, leading uh, Lady Smith the, the last, Spotswood Lady Smith the last nine months or so, is just the just incredible servants we have here, uh, incredible uh, leaders. And uh, they know it's not about titles and recognition. They know it's about serving. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. Um, so they truly are an example of Christ to me. Um, I want to celebrate uh, today as well as a couple other things. Um, this past week, we had about 50 students, uh, our young uh, kid age um, students come to know Christ. And several of those were from our midst. So we want to celebrate with that. Um, in fact, one of them, are, one of them is going to get baptized today, so we're celebrating that. Um, and also, uh, they do a p- penny drive. We do a penny drive every year at VBS, and we raised over $2,700 for the Fre- uh, Fredericksburg Pregnancy Crisis Center, and that, that's incredible because we know they're about life, and so we want to thank God for that as well, which is a huge thing. Um, and I also want to remind you, I know I shared this uh, last week, don't forget a couple things we're going to be heading to this summer. Uh, one is um, it's going to be on Thursday, August 9th, right down your calendar. You'll hear more about that this week. You'll actually get an email. If you're not on our email distribution list, please uh, sign a card in the back, fill out your information, give it to Matt or one of the other leaders that has a help, uh, Here to Help shirt, and we'll make sure you get on our distribution list. But we're going to be doing the open houses for all the elementary schools in Caroline County. Uh, in August, August 9th. It's a Thursday evening. And so we're going to, like we did at Lewis Clark last year with the inflatables and popcorn and snow cones, all that. So we're going to need between 45 and 60 volunteers all in one night. So we need you to sign up. We need your help. Uh, it's going to be a great night of serving our community. And then right after that, um, in, in September, September 9th, we're going to have a happy birthday, Spotswood at Ladysmith birthday. So we'll celebrate a year and you'll hear more about that. But I wanted to share this. This is from Caroline County Public Schools, and this is the um, really kind of their executive team. Uh, I think it's written from the assistant um, superintendent, and it says, Rick, on the behalf of the leadership team here at CCPS, we would like to uh, offer our sincere thanks for your generous donations. Uh, The prizes will greatly appreciate it, and we serve as a tool to use to, effect, uh, to be better effective leaders 
in our leadership roles. You and Spotswood at Ladysmith Family are a huge blessing to CCPS, and we thank you for all you're doing. So this past week, they asked, I said, we're doing a kind of a uh, getaway for leaders. We need some giveaways. And so they gave me a list, and we went and bought them and gave them to them. But this is an example of how we need to be partnering with the schools. And so thank you for your generous uh, donations and also just your generous tithing. Uh, that makes it possible for those kind of things. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get straight into James. I know you guys are with me, so we're going to try to make this in a, a quick amount of time this morning, but we do want to preach God's Word and teach it this morning, so hopefully you guys will get something from it as well. Probably not as good as Mr. Adam in the back, but I'll try my best, okay? All right. Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning. God, again, thank you for your grace and mercy that's new each day. God, thank you. Uh, this morning, we're reminded of that verse uh, where all the little children are around and they're crowding in and the disciples try to push, push them back. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the little kids come unto me. And uh, you, you remind us, uh, Father, through your son, how we need to come as little children into your kingdom uh, with complete trust and vulnerability, and nothing to hide, and authenticity. God, I, that's one of the things I'm amazed about with my kids, and even kids. I, you don't have to worry about what they're, what they're thinking. They usually talk about it. And so, God, I, I pray that we would continue to be like that. We, we won't grow mature in that sense that we think somehow we've arrived, or somehow we're, we're above just being vulnerable with you. God, you see it all. You're like an open book. And so this morning, as we read James, God, I pray we'll be encouraged, but also challenged. Uh, God, I just pray your word would deeply root in the hearts and lives of us, God, to give forth fruit. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, James 1, I want to go ahead and review from last week. Uh, we're calling this on-the-ground gospel, and what it really means is that it's real basics. It's 101. It's reminders. If, if you look at James and really look at what he's kind of reflecting on, he's really reflecting on kind of two big things. One is the Sermon on the Mount that he saw his, his half-brother preach and teach on. Um, and then also the Proverbs, but primarily Proverbs 1 through 9. So that's kind of the main um, things that James is doing. He's kind of summarizing those things for us. And so hopefully you'll, you'll see some of that. In fact, uh, the name Jesus is only mentioned twice uh, in this. So we, we need to be careful as we read and as we study James that we don't get caught up in just the principles or just the precepts or just the doing, even though he's going to be talking about that. We're going to hit on that this, uh, today, but that we understand this is all through a relationship in G with Jesus, okay? It's not on our own works. It's not on somehow gearing ourselves up to try harder, even though there is um, there's an aspect of Jesus and, and, and James teaching in here about us putting on things and putting off things. But it's this reality of, of coming out of a relationship with Jesus. Because if we're not careful and we somehow try to do this on our own and not through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to become religious, right? And it's going to be about do's and don'ts. And thou shalt and thou shalt not. And the reality is it's all through a personal relationship with Jesus. So when we talk about this, remember that's what we're talking about. Sorry, my mouth's a little dry this morning. Um, so I want to remind you of that. Also... I want to remind you, when, when James mentions true religion, he really means true faith. I know today when we use that word religion, uh, we kind of get caught up and people don't like religion. And to be honest, Jesus was against religion in that sense. Uh, it wasn't about climbing ladders. It wasn't about the do's and don'ts. It was about a relationship with him. And so he would even uh, uh, really confront. In fact, the only time you really see him confront people um, and, and call them 
and really um, kind of two-faced were the religious leaders. Um, the, the, the sinners that came to him and came in humility, he accepted because he saw their faith. But those that were kind of becoming um, self-righteous, he, he's the ones that, those are the ones he kind of, kind of went back at. Um, also, James summarizes kind of 12 overall teachings. And, and it's really this idea of being completely devoted to God. Last week, we talked about the big idea was God tests authenticity of our faith by trials. And really, two big things to think about. One is, as Jesus followers, we need to view trials as pathways to produce durability and maturity. And the second thing is, uh, trials are there to really show us that we absolutely need God, that we cannot do life by ourselves. And so we absolutely desperate for God. And then in that, there's two, there's two kind of fights. One is that fight for doubt. Understanding that, knowing that we are going to doubt, there's times uh, that we're going to struggle, but in our struggle that we don't give up the faith, okay? And also the struggle of comparison that in this world, as we go through trials, and we talked about how social media actually increases depression, unfortunately, and it's not something because it's causing it, I think it's just bringing out in us this comparison, but we, we look at the world, and we look at Facebook, or we look at whatever social media, and we always think that everybody's life is a lot better uh, than ours, and the reality is, their life is not as good as you think it is, and yours is not as bad, okay? So it's this reality of understanding that we, we do not get, want to get in the, the comparison game because it's an ugly thing and it ends up being destructive. Um, that God has a path for each of us and has different um, perspectives from each of our lives that God is trying to shape and, and form. All right, so I'm going to read James uh, 13 through 27, and then we're going to get into our messages today. Verse 13, it says this, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God, but for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth forth death. Do not be deceived, my, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect work is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there are no variations or shadows due to change of his own uh, will he brought forth us by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of, cre- of his creation. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person who is quick to, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and serve, I'm sorry, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently into his natural face in the mirror. And for when he looks at himself and goes away, at once he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious... Remember, religious, anyone who thinks who has faith, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion or faith is worthless. Religion or faith, which is pure and undefiled before God the Father, is this. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My big idea today is this from the text. Uh, Since we have new birth in Christ... 
We as a family don't just say what we believe, but we actually live it out in real life as well, okay? So we need to understand that if we say we have faith in Christ, there needs to be actions, okay? It's like, it's like two sides of one coin. They're both the faith, the cognitive understanding, believing, putting your trust, but the actual action of faith, actually living out what we believe. Now, we learned last week, perfection does not mean uh, perfect because Christ would have died for nothing if we could be perfect, right? So we're never going to be perfect. We're struggling with these, uh, these old, this old flesh and blood, but the reality is there should be a progression. There should be signs of new life. As I mentioned before, prior to Michelle and I uh, having kids, before hope came along, our, our, our world inside our house is pretty perfect. There's, there's uh, little frames laid out, doilies, whatever that was. I, I don't even know if that's correct. But it's, it's all laid out nice and neat. And as we eventually God granted us a child, all of a sudden there became signs of new life, right? And so there's messiness and I don't even want to go there, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff everywhere all the time, stepping on Legos and cutting feet and doing all those kind of things. It happens, right? Because there's signs of life. Well, the reality is the same is true of our faith. So there should be some signs of life. It's not perfect in that sense, but it's progression. There should be that, okay? And so the first thing that James talks about in this is when he talks about trials, in those trials, they're, they're to mature us, grow us. But there is something that we think sometimes can be a trial, but it's really, it's really a temptation, okay? So we need to understand that temptation itself is not a sin, we're all going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. So temptation is not a sin, but it's what we do with that temptation. See, really it comes down to this. The temptations that we face today are the same temptations that were faced the first man and woman here on earth, okay? And that's Adam and Eve. And those temptations are the same temptations. Listen, it's not rocket science. Uh, the enemy, uh, he, he tricks us. He tries to fool us. He tries to tempt us with the same things that he did Adam and Eve with, okay? It's not, it's not anything fancy, but it is real. And we need to realize that temptation is a real thing and that we have a real enemy of our soul, Satan, and he's trying to come to kill, steal, and destroy, but God is coming to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. So understanding how we deal with this is really important. In other words, all sins fall under really three temptations. The 1 John 2.16 says this, For all this is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but from the world. See, let me read for you real quick, just a little picture. You guys remember when you learned probably in children's church about Adam and Eve, and they were born, I mean, they were formed by God. And then Adam, Eve was taken from Adam's side, and then God would give them a whole garden of yeses and one tree of no. And he says this in chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field uh, that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit um, that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Listen to this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like, by the way, says you will be like God. Did you realize they were already like God? They were made in the image of God, right? Imago Dei. They were in the image of God. 
he was getting them to basically suppress God's truth and question God's character. Okay? This is what Satan does. And he says, your eyes will be open, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And listen to this. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree to be desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. Why didn't Adam speak up? I don't know. Okay? This is what I know. Sin is like a trap. Yes, you don't know what this is. This is a foot trap. Okay, for small game animals. I got one of my buddies to bring it in. Okay, I'm going to try to set it and hopefully not hurt myself. Okay, because I'm on my way to camp today and I don't want to go to ER already. Okay, but probably real boots would have helped. Probably. Tim, I think I'm going to get it, buddy. Woo, got it. All right. So. If you have a master trapper, I want you to know, you don't just stick the trap out on the ground like this. You'll never catch anything, most likely. There may be one or two dumb little animals out there you might catch. <laughs> probably catch a cat. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, probably. Sorry. Sorry. I know some of you cat lovers, but. All right. But a master trapper will disguise this. And what they'll do is they'll bury a little ground. If you ever watch anybody, some of the shows that have that, and they'll bury it. And then what they'll do is they'll put some smell around it, and they'll put a little piece of bait, usually a little piece of meat or something they found that stinks really bad, but it's attracted to the animals because they think it's a dead animal, right? And then they sprinkle dirt over it and put some other stuff, and it, it makes it smell like the other animals have been around. But the whole idea is to make it look real, but it's not. It's artificial. It's fake. It's counterfeit, okay? Just like if you were to try to draw a dollar bill and hand it off to somebody at the counter, it wouldn't work, would it? You need the real thing. Now, this is what the enemy is really good at. He takes something that looks real. It's artificial. It's fake. It's counterfeit. This is, see, see, Satan cannot create anything. God is the creator. He created something out of nothing. It's called ex nihilio. But Satan can't do that. He's a created being. He's limited, right? And so he tries to scheme. He tries to trick us. He tries to lay out this trap to get us. But the Bible says that that sin is like a trap. It's a process. See, the animal comes up and he sniffs around first. That's like seeing it the first time. And then all of a sudden he's more enticed. He's, he sticks around a little longer and maybe he licks a little bit of piece of the bait. And then a little bit longer, he, he starts to go and bite. And all of a sudden, he steps in the wrong place, and it snaps his foot, right? Only to eventually die, because the trapper's going to come around and take him out. That's why he did it, okay? And so we need to understand that's Satan's trap right there. He's trying to get us lured in to believe him instead of believing God. And we need to understand as adults as well, there's traps for us, just few weeks ago, a um, young man I've known for years, and we were reconnecting, and he was just sharing now how he, he kind of got sucked into looking and seeing things on his phone on the internet. And uh, we, we had to talk about it, man. We, we, we need a battle, battle plan, man. You, you, can't, you can't do this by yourself. Had to remind him. In fact, um, I, I want to remind us that we need a battle plan 
Um, when, you, when you look at this, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says this, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. For the, we- for the weapons we war against are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy, listen, we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So you understand the, the battle is usually lost or won right here. The thought comes in, we see something with our mind, we, we think, have a past thought about something that we were involved in, uh, something comes up and it attacks us. And at that point, we can all look up and say, nope, I've been in that trap before, not going there. You know, or we can start sneaking around and think, oh, I can handle this. This sin's not going to tie me down, but it's like a trap. It's going to handcuff us. And eventually the enemy wants to take us out. It's just like the biggest, strongest guy in here. You put a pair of handcuffs in and put them behind his back. You can bend them slightly at a certain point and they'll be on their knees, no matter how big and strong they are. Because why? They're trapped. And this is what the enemy does. He comes and tries to trap us. He tries to get us to believe the lie over the truth. See, Jesus was tempted yet without sin. He combated, listen, he combated his temptation with the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every way respect has been tempted yet without sin. Jesus is the perfect lamb. And he overcame temptation. He overcame these traps by the word of God. So I'm going to give you guys writing something down. Please write this down. This is, this is a five-point attack of what we need to be doing when we face temptation. The first one is fight. Ephesians 6.11 says this, put on the whole armor of God so you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the evil one. See, listen, we have a part of role to play. God's given us our spirit, his spirit. Before we came to Christ, there's no way we could be obedient to the Lord. No way. We were dead in our sins. But now we're alive to Christ, so he's given us our spirit, his spirit. Now we have the ability to walk in freedom, okay? So we have to fight. We had to pull on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, uh, shotted with the feet of the gospel of peace. We need to put on the full armor of God daily, okay? Second thing is we need to follow. James 4, 7, and 8 says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, double-minded man. Listen, daily we need to be waking up, making a decision to follow him that day. Every day. Sometimes it's moment by moment. Okay, And we need to understand dying to self is a daily thing. It is not just a one-and-done deal. Okay, um, we're gonna have a baptism this morning. That's not the end. That's the beginning. It's 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 like a it's like a starter's gun. Okay, that's just the beginning. It's not the end. So understanding, we must draw near to God. We must follow Him in obedience. Um, I heard um, I think it was uh, Phil um, Robertson when he got saved. You guys know the guys from Duck Dynasty and. He, had, he said he'd never lived for the Lord, and God led him to Christ, and he gave him a Bible and said, start reading now. Start trying to do good, okay? Start trying to make right decisions. And he says, never thought about it like that before. It was simple. I started trying to make good decisions, okay? And it doesn't mean that the good decisions save you or make you any more loved or cleaned up, but it's fact that it's called obedience. It's that we need to begin to write and follow God. The f- third thing is to flee. Do you understand there's sometimes you just got to run, 
There's two things that God says flees, honeys and monies, okay? I mean, there, there's, there's, there are those two things. There's times where you just got to run, okay? You just got to run. You, you cannot mess around. You got to get out of the situation. There's been times where I, I saw something coming and I just had to get up and walk out of my office or walk out of the building wherever I was, okay? Because there was something beginning to, I sent somebody trying to get me in a position where I would somehow be compromised or somehow be put in a position where no one could see and I have to get up and walk out, okay? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You have to, you have to flee from it. Romans 13, 14 says this, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. And then the fourth thing is to fellowship or community. This is what we talked about over and over. We're not made to do this walk by ourselves. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Surround yourself. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have friends. You shouldn't have people in your life that you're trying to witness to and trying to win for the Lord. We have to be sought in light. We have to, but there has to be some men in your life for men. There has to be some women in your life for women who are around you and have your back, encourage, pray for you. You could um, uh, admit your sins one to another, bear each other's burdens. That's what we're made to do. And then the fifth thing is this, to feed. And this is where it comes back to reading the word of God. Psalms 119.11 says this, I've stirred your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, we need to understand that every time we face temptation, it's really a choice between life and death. It really is. Because, see, we can have salvation, and we can still make terrible decisions, and it costs death and destruction in our life. It literally can. It can cause major pain and heartache, and sometimes for years because of our poor decisions. So we need to understand that we need to get into God's word, and when we hear God's word, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. There's nothing more that I can tell you that would change your life more if you begin to read God's word so you hear it, you begin to believe it, and you begin to act on it. If you do those three things, I promise you, your life will begin to change for the glory of God. You have to do that. Listen, God is not a taker, but he's a giver. God is love. And it says right here, he does not tempt us. The enemy is the one that tempts us. God is the one who's the giver of all good things. He is the father down from the father of lights in whom there's no variation, no shadows, no change. Listen, he brought us forth with the, with the word of truth. That is the gospel. Listen, if he's going to give you Jesus, why is, why is he going to tempt you with something that you're just going to fall flat? He's not going to do that. He's given us the gospel. He's given us his son. He's given us his greatest gift. That is the gospel, the word of truth. And he's bringing us forth. He's given us that special gift of salvation. We both have common grace and salvation grace. So we have common grace that God's given us just because we enjoy great food and we get to enjoy vacations and we get to enjoy air conditions on the hot, warm days today. There's some common grace out there. But also you have a, a, a grace of salvation and you are the first fruits of his creation. You understand the church is who he's talking to here. The first fruits of his creation. We're the first fruits of being born again, but the church is the first fruits of his creation. In other words, we're supposed to be like the ideal neighborhood 
for what it's supposed to look like in heaven one day. That's, that's what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to be a picture of the ideal neighborhood in the church that's what it's supposed to And that's why when you read through all the, the letters that Paul writes and all through the New Testament, anytime Paul or others confront the church or individual believers about their behavior, it's about, listen, listen, you're being an example of heaven on earth. That's not what heaven on earth looks like. So God is constantly through his people confronting us to bring us back to repentance to say this is the way. Okay? And that's what God is doing. He's reminding us of how we're supposed to live our lives. See, James concludes this section of the letter by giving us three concrete examples of behavior that will flow from the life of a person who has taken God's word seriously. For the third time, listen to this, in this chapter, he warns his readers about the dangers of deception. Verse 16, 22, and 26. It is possible, according to James, to think you're living the Christian life when in actuality you're just fooling yourself. James lays out three litmus tests. Now listen, I am not here to try to undermine your salvation in any way. I don't want to do that, okay? What I want to do is stay true to the scriptures. And James is saying here that there is a possibility that people in the church or people, those that claim no faith, no Christ, actually may be deceiving themselves. And he's going to give us this litmus test. Now, if you're here this morning understanding, again, salvation, being justified before God is God's work. Sanctification is God's grace and work. So we're, we're up and down. It's like a big nasty hairball at times, right? It's kind of obeying and we disobey and we obey. So understand, understand sanctification is a process, okay? So I'm not here to try to guilt you or feel somehow make you feel bad about something. What I'm here is to remind us, just like James is reminding me, that I need to sometimes look and see if I'm in the faith. Am I following God? Am I really living out? Has there really been a change in my life? See what I'm saying? So let's read that. It says this. Um, I call this kind of look in the mirror, okay? This idea of look in the mirror. There's three kind of litmus tests. The first one is the test of self-control. I believe uh, 2 Corinthians 13 says it this way. It says, 5, it says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith, to test yourselves, or do you not realize that this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. It goes on to say in 1 John, this idea of a lifestyle, okay? So if we're living in a lifestyle of sin, the Bible says anyone who's in Christ doesn't continue to live in that. It doesn't mean there isn't sin and repentance, but this continuous lifestyle, okay? So what, what does that look like? I think the first one is this idea of self-control, speaking with love. Are you quick to listen? Are you slow to speak? Are you slow to become angry? See, Proverbs 16, 32, I just memorized this verse a few months ago. It says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules a spirit than he who takes a city. Can I tell you something? This has been an area of struggle for me. I don't have any excuse. There's been times where I struggle with my attitude. There's times where I struggle with my temper, okay? And, it, and, it, and I can say, well, it goes back to this and it goes back to that. But the reality is it goes back to not submitting fully to the Lord, right? And so I am praying constantly that God would give me self-control, that God would break my heart, that I would be kind, even in the heat is on, okay? And it's something that I'm very thankful about families dirt with me, but it's something that I struggle with at times. And so it's not something I'm giving into. It's not something I'm giving over to, but it's something that God has given me victory, but there's times where I slip back. 
So understanding this idea of self-control. The second litmus test is this. Let me remind you of this. The reason it's about, it's not about the tongue, it's about the heart. Because see, the Matthew 12, 34 says this, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So understanding the, the tongue is just a connection to the heart. So really, when, when I, when, if I were to lose my temper or get angry, it's really a reflection of my heart. Okay? So understanding when all of us struggle in this area, this is what it's about. The second litmus test is this, a test of spiritual compassion. Verse 7, the most vulnerable in our society are both the young and the elderly, aren't they? Let me, let me ask you something. Do you, do you have compassion? Do you have compassion on those that really need it the most? Do you defend the weak? Do you step in situations where you know people are vulnerable and to help, not to take advantage of? So we need to understand that, that James is challenging us that we need to be compassionate. We need to, that we need to rule self-control with our tongue. We need to have spiritual compassion. We need to serve the poor, especially those that are the least and the last in our society. And then the third one is this, the test of social corruption. We need to keep ourselves unstained from the world. We've got a rule in our house when we go out and get muddy or if we go out and get in the snow, we've got an area in our basement, right? And we, we take it all off, okay? We, we strip down. So we don't get snow in the house or dirt or mud or whatever, right? That's where, we, that's where we do it. And this is the picture of what James is saying. We need to set aside these things. We need to put off these things. They're stained by the corruption of our flesh. We need to take them off. There has to be effort on our part to make right decisions, to, to put ourselves in the right situations, to avoid tough situations where we're not putting ourselves in those temptation areas. I always like to say it's kind of like putting up a, a guardrail on a sharp turn. Many of us know, we know exactly where our Achilles are at, but we just continue. We don't put up any guardrails. We don't put any safe situations in where we know we can pick up the phone or have somebody call us for accountability or confess our sins to somebody. We just, we leave it open and we just flat right off the road and hit that tree every time. It's devastating to us and those people around us, okay? And it damages our soul. What he's saying is we need to put up guardrails in our lives. We need to put off these things that corrupt us. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Lead Pastor Rick Nicely will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing His kingdom through obedience to His Great Commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Spotswood LS. Now here's Rick with the conclusion to this week's sermon. Before I ask you the big question, I'm going to close here now. This is a big question I want to ask you, and then I'm going to read something out of John. Because really, what I think James is summarizing here is this. Um, He's really saying, are you abiding in Christ? Because see, salvation is the work of Jesus Christ. The abiding part is the work of the Holy Spirit and us responding to that. Okay? And so I want to ask you the big question. Are you in Christ and is in Christ in you? Listen, again, I want to affirm you. I want to encourage you. 
But I want you to also know that James is asking us really this, this thing in, in John 15. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he and he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that prove to my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Listen to this. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is about abiding in the Lord. The only way to get back into the Lord if you're not abiding is to repent. Get things right with him. And then these things you know that are struggles in your life, get men and women around you in community. Do those five things. Flee, fight, fellowship, feed, okay? Those are the things that you need in your life so you become fully devoted to the one who saved you and has the best for you. He's not trying to be a killjoy, I promise you. He's trying to give you the most abundant life possible. Will you stand? Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are working in our midst. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you or, God, they just need to get things right with you. There'll be people up front they can come and talk to, they can pray with. God, I just pray that you would do only what you can do, and that's to change hearts and lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Rick presented part two of a 10-part series in the book of James, On the Ground Gospel, and it was shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on Sunday, June 24, 2018. These podcasts are available weekly on iTunes and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.